Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, it's the best Tuesday you've had all week. It's time for the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with me today. Matt Dixon. We are pretty stoked. Uh, so this is, I ruin podcasts when I do things like this because you can't reuse them. I say, well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, this the day of uh, commercializing the ability to prove your love to somebody or uh, really lonely or otherwise miserable, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, one of the two. I'm, I'm not sure which one, uh, which camp you get to be in. Um, and, and then there's this probably a sliver of people out there that are totally unaffected by it, just like, this is stupid. And so they just kind of move on. Uh, but whatever. Uh, it's a date on the calendar, too. So we got that working for us. Uh, <laughs> you know what? We thought it would be a fun deal to uh, use the show today and talk about things that we love about finance and investing. So, so you instead know, of loving on the significant other, we're going right. to show the world of finance a little bit of love. We're gonna, we're just going to talk about things that you know. There's plenty of stuff that's like messed up, uh, but there's plenty of things that are pretty awesome. So we're just going to cover some of those today. I like. Uh, some of them are things like tricks of the trade that we have learned over time, uh, things that we've seen, uh, impacts we've had uh, on clients where like little details that make a big difference, right? So some of the financial hacks, if you will, that we love. uh, And we wanna cover some of those today. Uh, Also, we I'm also, give a shout out. Yeah, we right. love our Reddit listeners. Yeah, our, yeah, if we've got anybody that's been on Reddit and they're listening, that's awesome because we did throw a link into the comments. But also, we threw out there to social media and said, hey, give us uh, ideas for financial terms. Yeah. Right? As you know, we've been bringing those up at the end of the show. We have got some winners today. And so, uh, shout out to, to the uh, online community for. Uh, sending us plenty of good stuff. Anyway, let's let's get into the goods here right out of the gate. What's now, the first thing that you love, David? The first, well, so I mean, I get to talk about like I think I love our clients. Cheesy sounding, I get it, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, at the at the end of the day, okay, as yeah. as it's not that it's it's not really cheesy like you think. I love them for lots of reasons, and it's it's because. Our business exists because of our clients, mm-hmm. right? We're a service business. And so without clients, we don't really have anybody to serve, and therefore we don't exist any longer. So I love our clients for all the reasons that you'd expect as a business owner, right? Mm-hmm. It's because they give our business a reason to exist. Uh, because of the uh, our uh, ability to serve them, we get to, like, I, my, you know, my family gets to eat, so thank you. Uh, other people that work within the organization, their families get to eat, and that's pretty awesome, honestly. Like it's so you love those clients. I, that is I, well, admirable, and you have to. Yeah, right. You have to in the service biz. If there's one thing the financial industry gets wrong, is it's seeing people as marks and dollar signs instead of people. Mm-hmm. Drives me bananas. Uh, it's why we told the the mainstream industry to kind of kick rocks and went into the boutique. Uh, independent side of the biz rather than just working in a mega corporate is because, hey, you know what? It's about the clients. And if you can't figure that one out, then I don't know what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you can make money for a little while, but honestly, if you take advantage of people and you're shady about it, 
it's call it a lot of things. Some people call it karma, whatever it is, but it, that reputation, it's going to ultimately fail you. You, yes. you know, the, if the con is on, you got a problem. Mm-hmm. So I love our clients. What do you love? You know, one of the things I love, this is kind of jumping straight into the marketplace, I guess, but I love the fact because I'm a numbers person, right? Like I went to college, I focused in math, I love math because of the fact that it's so black and white, right? And the markets are really actually kind of black and white. The gray area gets dissolved. Those exploits get found out. And the market is always evolving. It's always changing. And it's figuring out ways to breed invention. And I think there's a lot that's pretty cool about that. Yeah, market's so clever. It is. Right. Uh, I, I have said this before and I'll say it again. What I love about the our economy, and I, the, I realize that not every part of it is perfect, but as far as the best system that I've seen so far, capitalism is a system, especially when it is motivated with a healthy ethic and respect for the counterparty, right? Yeah. And, and when I, I say that, meaning it, this is like, you can't have capitalism and exploit at the same time, mm-hmm. right? And there's that's the issue is like the exploitation. Well, and I realize even that term gets hackles up. Yeah, I mean, the market has a way of keeping people honest, right? Like, look, I mean, I'll just use this as an example. When the Chinese government got involved in their economy and they kind of meddled in private business, what happened? Investors really largely flocked out of yeah capital left the market yeah it's not a capitalist system and this is the exploitation i was really talking about first right you can't go poison a river or something like that you know then everybody loses Mm -hmm. okay it's like well for the almighty profit individually then the consequences to other people don't matter to you and i go see that's the ethical issue okay yeah now the the problem with the definition is that it's not the same for everybody there's the subjectivity in the definition okay but there needs and and this is why we still have some regulation is we need this sort of minimum agreed upon standard to which we're going to act to not damage other people or the environment or whatever it may be right so you actually like the regulation of the marketplace in certain ways yes and in certain ways no I just think that you unrestrained capitalism moves toward monopolies, and monopolies mm-hmm. aren't capitalist any right. longer. And unrestrained capitalism, where when you have bad actors, is dangerous because there's people that are willing to exploit others or damage others, and that's the issue. Is that you have to have this ethical parameter. And if I could rely on everybody to operate ethically, that'd be awesome. I've just not seen that in human nature too. Mm-hmm. Right. But all that to be said is still that I think capitalism's the best system. Oh, for right? sure. Right. Like, I mean, I just, I really think it is because it's so, and it's so clever, right? Every time that you see a regulatory change, what does capitalism do? The the people involved figure out either uh, it's a horse and buggy event, right? Like, okay, well, I guess I'm no longer in business any longer. Although that wasn't the, regulations that did that right that was a market competitor just outperforming them and ultimately rendering them obsolete Mm -hmm. but consider a regulation shows up and says we can't do it this way so the market gets creative about finding new ways to do it right yeah hey you know california i'm this is kind of a 
poke the bear comment, but all right, if we're going to raise fuel economy standards, then capitalism has to get creative about how to meet the standard. Okay, If you make it impossible, then capitalism also figures out we can't do it so you abandon the market. Right, mm-hmm. You just don't do it anymore and you stop losing money. And then regulation has to figure out if it wanted that thing dead right, or if that was an unintended consequence of too much ambition in the regulation. Okay? And then, yeah, and then and, it eases, and, yeah. Yeah, and so, but, but what I like is capitalism gets the chance to be creative and solve. And, and it's, it's like trying to get, I was just trying to squeeze water, right? It just keeps changing shape and taking the shape that you, of the form that it's given. Right, so capitalism is super creative, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad we have that system, and um, frankly, I will. I don't care about being on here and saying like those that want to say socialism or or you know worse get into the Marxism and communism. I'll just be like, no. And that's as much discussion as we're going to have on the show today. No. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, what are some other things that you think are fun? Hmm. Other things that I love about the market, market or, finance. What's up? Like, uh, I love math how many different shortcuts. I love that there's so many different options, right? Like, there's a there's a ton of different ways to invest. There's not just one option. There's countless ways to do the thing. Yeah. Infinite and, combinations. Yeah, there's infinite combinations and. What I find is funny is there's a lot of people that believe that there's that one right way to do things when it's like, no, because what are your goals? What are your objectives? What's right for you might not be right for someone else. And so I think part of the fun of being an advisor is getting to sit down with people, see what it is that they are really looking for, and then being able to kind of match them up with the products that are going to help them accomplish their goal. Yeah. And it's interesting too when you talk about you know whether it's a product or a solution or, mm-hmm. or any of it, it, it'll keep changing. I know that, but it it is cool all that. But at the same time, it's hilarious. I think one of the things I love is that that it's infinite material for the radio show, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I could tell so many ways that uh, people also will invent things that maybe aren't even there. Okay, that that's another one or No, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Like they come to you with this, so here's the thing and you're like, but that's not real. <laughs> I, I I just know that there are folks that show up with you know, really high level of conviction and they don't know why they're convicted. Mm-hmm. Right? So like, well, we got to do this thing. All right. I mean, that's how a market gets made. Is there somebody willing to do the buy or the sale? And that means whatever conjured up that demand in your mind or lack thereof uh, it doesn't really matter if it's rational or not. It still happened. Yeah. But uh, that <laughs> I do love. I love some of the stories. I don't love it when it's uh, it results in pain for people. Mm-hmm. I will say that I, I don't enjoy seeing people financially suffer. But you do decisions. love helping people out and being able to like guide them in that journey. Well, yeah. I mean, that's but th- that's also maybe I'm a maybe I'm a Pollyanna or maybe I'm just a a, a goofy one. But it is. Um, Ultimately, I, I guess, um, I like teaching a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to see the light bulb come on for other people. You're an educator at heart, I suppose. I just figure if you if you understand how it works, then it's easier to buy in, mm-hmm. right? And the buy in, of course, is 
funny because we're talking about finances here. But anyway, <laughs> so let's do this. Okay. Since we got, we're, we're kind of first segment in the books. Why don't we? We'll grab it uh, a break. We come back. There's a couple of really easy hacks too. Let's talk about some of the easy, low-hanging fruit of finance. Things that we love to see investors be able to take advantage of that don't take much effort. Okay. All right. We'll do that and more when we come back. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 12:40 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where Matt and I are having fun today on this Valentine's Day. Indeed. And you can grab the podcast to get caught up at the new website, right? Mm-hmm. Which is growing now. The blog's live again, finally. Yeah. We've got the financial terms are starting to grow. That so list fun. is getting really long. It is. So, anyway, we're, uh, and we did, <laughs> we got shut down on Reddit. The moderator just kicked us off. They said they thought we were spam. Interesting. Yeah. Because uh, we we'll had like 5,000 views on there. Yeah. It was rocking and rolling, and they took it down. Did not like it, but we've got some fun uh, financial terms to give a shot to, and we'll go with that. So, anyway. Uh, Where did we, we leave our listeners off at? Talking about some of the financial hacks that we love. Simple little tricks. Oh of the yeah, trade, you mentioned some like low-hanging fruit or something. Yeah, things like math games that uh, maybe you've heard of before, maybe you haven't. Uh, fun one, for example, the rule of seventy-two. Right, the rule of seventy-two is so clever. Okay, now what it really does is it helps you figure out how long does it take for me to double my investment. Okay, and how does this equation work? So it's actually pretty simple. Now it doesn't consider taxes. Okay, but what happens is you've got you take the number 72 Mm -hmm. and you can divide it by either the number of years or the rate of return that you have and Mm -hmm. you'll get the other. Right. So if I have 72 divided by 10 and let's say it was 10 percent return, Mm -hmm. it takes 7.2 years to double my money if I make 10 percent and compound that return tax deferred. Okay. Okay. If I said I want to double my money in five years, then I could divide 72 by five. five and then right? that would be. And then I would need to make whatever that is, 14 point something percent return. I think it's just 14% return. Mm-hmm. And if I do 14%, then that's how long it takes me to double. Right? It gets a little wonky if you want to double in like two months or something because it doesn't really think in those terms. So great, 72 divided by one is 72. No, you can't get 72% return. And double your money you yeah. need 100 percent the first year but you know more than more than like two and you're good so that's the idea and so it's a really neat financial hack and it's kind of an interesting party trick because people will it, you know if you know that one and you kind of can do a little math in your head you can quickly say well it'll take about this long to double your money and they go how do you know that <laughs> and he's like i'm a calculator no it's because you got the rule of 72 in your back pocket yeah that's a good one yeah it's pretty fun so, what are some others? I, mm. I've used this one for years. The mind your shuns conversation. Mm-hmm. That there's three shuns, and if you can remember them, that it will help you build better investments. Diversification, correlation, and allocation. That's a pretty straightforward one, but it's one that I think a lot of people overlook, right? Yeah. Like, we've, we've seen people say, oh, I'm going to take... 
you know, a large chunk of my portfolio and just put it in one position because yep. I got a good feeling about it. And then if the good feeling doesn't work, there's pain. Yep. They just didn't mind the first rule, diversification. That's it. And so diversification and, and I love compound interest. I'm just going to throw it out there. But uh -huh. like anytime I run into someone that is younger, especially I'm like, hey, are you saving for your future? And if the answer is no, I just bust out a compound interest calculator. I'm like, I'm going to steal two minutes of your life, and it might help you. And yeah. we run through the calculations. I'll tell you, this is one of those games. If you could get to people earlier, what a difference you could make, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it would it would really change the landscape of retirement for anyone who just pays attention to it and follows a basic rule. And I know people that elect to not contribute to like a 401k when there's a match, right? Like an employer says, hey, put in 3%, we'll give you 3%. And they elect not to do it and just take the money. And I'm like, man, you're going to pay for that in your future. You really don't need that extra 3%. You really don't need it. You just want it. Yeah. And your want <clears throat> is going to burn you bad. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's always a funny one because uh, – you get so much different advice on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. This is something I don't love, is that the internet can lead people all kinds of different places. Uh, anytime that you've, like, I've seen a few folks that say things like, don't do a budget and don't save. You just need to be investing in yourself like crazy. Oh, I know. I hate, it makes me vomit a little bit in my mouth, actually. Yeah. And because it, there is this assumption, one, that, that um, you're so much better and more capable than anyone else. That's the thing. Is <laughs> like, it's, that's it's, so ego egotistical. Like, it, it really is the idea like, why would you do this? You could just be, you can just outsmart everyone and outbusiness them to mm -hmm. the top. And invariably, what are these people selling? They're coaching business. for how to do that. Yeah. Right. It's like, they, yeah. it's you're like, no, I, I, and, and, yeah. <laughs> Did you do it, or are you just telling me how to do it? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, like, well, I did this, and you go, well, what did you do though? Like, oh, I, oh. I sold a book on developing a coaching program, and now I have a coaching program. I'm trying to get you to, but you know, use it. David, this also coattails into another one of my least favorite phrases. Well, I can take that and and go do better and get a better return. Yeah, but oftentimes, I wanted in the back of my mind, I'm wanting to say to that person, but are you? Like, are you actually going to do it? That's the other piece that I feel like a lot of people don't hone into. It's like, okay, you can have this goal or this idea, but are you going to execute on it? And how sure are you that it's going to work? Because you better be darn sure. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, th that that one is... I don't like the all or nothing, mm -mm. for sure. And I will say that it also I can't come up with a reason why at any point you wouldn't take free money, right? Yeah, player I'm match free money. That's like really that. I don't feel like there's a big stretch of regulatory danger in me saying you should take the free money. Like mm -hmm. I I don't know when somebody's like you can't give that kind of financial advice and like don't take the free money. Like where's the liability? Where's the downside? Mm -hmm. You know, unless the employer somewhere's like, well, I didn't want him to take the free money actually. And you told him to, and now I have it's like, really. Yeah. Come on. Okay, Come on. It's your ERISA regulations here. So, well, what else do we love? Well, you know, I love the fact that the market has gotten so much more accessible, right? Mm -hmm. Over the last 20 some odd years that I've been doing this, there has been this consistent 
evolution in the tools that are available to the everyday investor. Would you say that it's become more passive? The easier it's been, the more passive it's become? No, I don't no? think I would say that. I, okay. mean, I think that there are different pathways, right? That So when you think about passive, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about like index funds and, and sure. more more indexed investing. Has mm-hmm. that been on the rise? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? But think about where a lot of that occurs. I'm right? just thinking of it from the terms of like how we used to trade, right? Like it used to be actually trading paper. And then now everything's, for the most part, electronic. You and know, so there's not as, you don't have to put as much effort into getting a security. I think about the problem of being an institution, though. Mm-hmm. Like pretend for a moment that you are the pension program for a state in the U.S. And let's say you're in California and you're on the committee to invest the CalPERS systems, the California Public Employee Retirement System. Mm -hmm. And you're managing billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, You're probably still underfunded right now, but that's a separate issue. So (laughs) you're managing billions. Right. And you've got to figure out how am I going to get billions of dollars into an investment landscape where I can meet the fiduciary obligations of the pension. Without becoming a market maker. Well, yeah. uh, there's not really a way to not be a market maker yeah. when you're when you're trading around, you know, tens or hundreds of billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you're in it. So you you end up gravitating toward these giant indexes because that's a institutional way to access the marketplace. Okay. Right. Yeah. And you see that with really large corporate investment, too, is that remember these these corporate retirement plans do have some fiduciary obligations at some level to their investor base. Mm -hmm. So the safer thing in many respects is to say, then we'll just kind of invest in the whole bucket rather than taking on the risk of investing in individual securities, too. And I totally think it's pushed us that way. Right. Right. Uh and and I also think that as you've seen the success of companies like Vanguard and BlackRock mm-hmm. grow and grow and grow and have more and more assets flow their direction, and there's others as well, right? I'm, I, I don't use those names in a good way or a bad way, I'm just using those names because they're there. But you see this and you think, well... There's a lot of marketing dollars rolling through those organizations now. Even if they're making pennies, you can you you if your goal as a business is to grow and gain market share, then you start looking for other market avenues. So you start advertising to the consumer and you start doing rollovers and other ways to say, well, you know, you can leave your corporate retirement plan and you can still keep your investments if you move them over here. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a lot of people do that, too. And then you start to make the argument, well, you may as well keep the expenses really low. And so you coach a lot of people into this. That doesn't mean there's not unintended consequences of putting everything into indexes. Right? We're right. kind of seeing that this year, aren't we? Mm-hmm. But do you feel like the indexes have become a little less diversified than they used to be just because of the way that you know tech, for example, has grown and developed? Well... Uh, yeah, I, I know you're leading the witness. Let me take one step back. It goes back to those three shuns mm-hmm. that we talked about, diversification, correlation, and allocation. So I think it's not the diversification that's the problem, mm. right? When you've got 
500 stocks in the S&P, you're diversified. Mm-hmm. Okay. The question is, are you correlated? Ooh. Right? And so how different are the stocks in the S&P 500? They represent a lot of industries, but it's a cap-weighted index. Hmm. And the biggest companies in mm-hmm. the S&P 500 get the biggest dollar weightings. So the top 10, 15 companies end up representing 25% of the weighting in the whole index. And, and they, that's a pretty big chunk. And the vast majority of them tend to be mega cap tech companies. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some oil companies in there too, but like big, big, big tech companies are taking up a bigger and bigger slice of the index puzzle, if you will, uh, or pie. It's a better analogy. You don't slice a puzzle, I don't think, uh, unless you're really. Never mind. Aren't uh, all puzzles sliced? <laughs> so if you consider that, right? Consider that the puzzle, the the pie now has disproportionate weighting in big tech companies, and then you look at the distribution of companies in the S&P 500, and what is it, like 40% of them are now in tech? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if if four out of every 10 stocks, at least by market cap, in that index are tech, you accidentally became a tech investor if you bought the S&P 500. Wow. So that's, I think, the issue buried underneath the index phenomenon is that concentration risk started to creep up because your correlation may not have been as effective at diverse at getting the benefit out of your diversification because mm-hmm. you're you're really concentrated in a handful of asset classes more so than being distributed broadly so are there ways to correct for that sure given a long, long enough time horizon probably irons itself out anyway mm-hmm. but in the short term though. yeah i mean in 2021 you looked really smart Right, indexes were up huge. Buy buy the Nasdaq in 2021, make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Hold the Nasdaq through 2022, lose a bunch of money. Right, yeah. That's the danger of being biased to tech. Yeah. And so, uh, the companies that did well last year were they 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 look a little different. I suppose we could talk about that. It's less about the love of the things in the market, but just it looks different. Then say 20 years ago when you're building portfolios, I think you need more tools today than you used to. Mm-hmm. They're available, but you need more, in my opinion. So anyway, look, we're running a little long here. Let's grab a break. Okay. okay? We'll let our listeners take a, a, a brain relaxation break. We'll take some obscene profits for the station here. When we come back, we'll continue to unpack the things we love about finance. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM. At 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with my main man, Matt Dixon. Matt. Yes. Things we love about finance on this, the Valentine's Day. This will mm-hmm. be a shorter segment as we kind of. Uh, wrap up and we get on to yeah. some really fun financial terms. We have a long list of them, too. We do. We have super long lists. We won't get to all of them today, okay. just so you know. Uh, but we're still going to have some fun with this. Um, so, first off, what else do we know here? Well, I think one thing that we should love about the marketplace is it rewards patience. Right? Like, it, if it didn't, and we turn that thing around, if it rewards people who are hasty and impatient, 
well, then everyone gets the reward. Not very many people are actually patient. So for those of you that have that wonderful life skill, the marketplace is for you. And I think that's kind of cool. Yep. So I think if I had to think of one more thing that I, you know, what do I love? First of all, it's available to anybody. That's true. Right. It's, it's, it's no longer a game that's only available to rich people. You can play this game at any level. I have got clients that their kids are getting started and they open up, and I'm not saying go do this, but they'll open up a Robinhood account. They'll put a hundred bucks in it and they'll start trading stocks just yeah. to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that is really cool. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, there are parts of Robinhood that are not really cool. Right, if you know the plumbing behind the scenes and how they do that. But if you were to use it as a way to develop skills as an investor. And knowledge. Yeah, skills and knowledge. It can be really useful. And so I do like the fact that the, the also I like the fact that there's a ton of really f- inexpensive or free tools available right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say that they're all as powerful as some of the institutional tools that are available. But a good, like, jumping-off point. Yeah. But in this case, I think of powerful less as information that you can't find than it is information in one spot that's really easy to manipulate, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, we have cool tools that, in it, like, here's an example. Uh, we have a tool that we use where I can pull up a stock, for example, and I can run filters for all the different things that it's correlated to compared to other stocks, compared to other economic indicators, compared to other indexes, right? So I can I can do a lot of data manipulation in a hurry because this system allows us to do that. And we can even build up scenarios and say, okay, well, here's the, the data pieces that it tends to pay attention to. And now I can play with those uh, indicators and say, well, if I change these numbers, how might it change the correlation? You know, how might it affect the price of the stock? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a useful tool for developing hedging strategies or to get a sense of maybe the direction a stock is likely to lean if the market behaves one way versus another. Yeah. Does it make the future guaranteed? Certainly not. But but it- academically, very useful tools it would take a lot more effort to manually assemble all of that data. It's mm-hmm. possible, but it'd just take a boatload of work. And a lot of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes what you're looking for is, in the marketplace, you're trying to find what the theme is right now. Right? I mean, that's the interesting thing. You know, Markets can be a little fickle. Sometimes you're trying to figure out, what's the most likely scenario this market's paying attention to? Mm-hmm. And so you can run a bunch of different data tests and then say, well, based on what's coming back right now, we can compare that to what it used to be. The market seems to be more interested in other data, right? For a long time, like like it was watch the Fed, watch the Fed, watch the Fed. And then when the Ukraine war first happened, it was like, well, now what? Yeah. And then after a few months, that started to really fade into back to watch the Fed. And then it wasn't just watch the Fed, but what data is the Fed watching, right? So then mm-hmm. it became, we better pay attention to inflation now, right? Because right. inflation's going to tell, the Fed's going to tell us what it's going to do based on these pieces of data. And so 
it's a game in a sense of, well, what are people paying attention to now? Is it earnings? Is it inflation? Is it interest rates? Is it the war in Ukraine? You know, what is it? Is it the beta of different stocks in the marketplace? Is it earnings? Is it the growth or lack thereof of earnings? What's the theme that the market is trying to to vet out? Mm-hmm. And it changes, right? So sn- <laughs> sniffing that theme out can be tricky. I do like the fact that we have, as pros, we have some tools that are really useful for that stuff. Uh, doesn't mean that we're going to get it right, but it certainly gives us an advantage when trying to process data rapidly. And where you know, if you don't have those tools, you're you're going to be behind the data power curve. Yeah. What's interesting to watch is sometimes when those trends start to happen, you see an entire segment of the marketplace, you know, potentially either doing really well or really bad just based on that data, right? Like it doesn't always come down to how is this company doing individually? It's like, well, this sector is doing great Mm -hmm. because of this piece of information. Mm -hmm. And so everyone starts to feast or famine based on that information. Right. So... Anyway, I don't always love the feast or famine, by the way. The whole lemming thing, not a fan. But that here's the good news. That's more for traders mm-hmm. than investors. Okay? It's true. Uh, when you are investing longer term, you know, as a money manager, which is something that we do at our firm, it does help us decide maybe position sizing. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's the third shun. Yeah, we right? looped it back in. When, when you have diversification... And correlation, the third one is allocation. And that's a just a fancy way of saying, how much do I want to commit to different categories or different positions? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the allocation is, well, do I want all of my cash invested right now or do I want an allocation in cash to wait for a better buying opportunity? Right. Okay, or do I want to be looking at the fixed income space? Should we be looking at other categories of the market? Should we be looking at alternatives, real estate? Where might there be other opportunities that we want to allocate resources to try to take advantage? This, by the way, is something I love. Hmm. Why is that? Well, I love the fact that because we have a market that is still largely capitalist and largely free, when the market shuts a door, it typically opens a window somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? And so the money moves around within the system. Uh, you know, not to borrow too much from another financial personality on air, but if you've ever heard of Jim Cramer, he's the guy that says there's always a bull market somewhere, and it's his job to help you find it. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's wrong, right? The question is just is he talking about trading or investing, right? Because the there's question. not necessarily always a bull market that's like a multi-year wind in you know in your sales kind of market mm-hmm. cuz those environments come and go with the economy but i think there's typically uh, it's like an opportunity i use this analogy a lot right opportunity is like a stream flowing by you mm-hmm. right in in our economy opportunities all around us is the stream that's just passing by and at some point you just decide to hop in the stream and float along I think a good example of what you were talking about was last year when almost everything was struggling oil had its best year probably. Yeah, it did great. 
on record. And it's just like, there was your yeah. opportunity. And not the oil itself, but the oil producers mm-hmm. and utility stocks did really well. And the market kind of figured out that utility companies were going to get to have this major price hike. And the way price hikes work with utilities, right? First, they have to be authorized because these are sort of protected monopolies or oligopolies, sort of quasi-government. But once those rate hikes are authorized, you can pretty well bake it into the price of the operation. And and we saw these big adjustments in price, like 14% price hikes for utility companies. Well, markets figured that out and bid up utilities. And they did it quickly, too. Yeah. Right? I mean, it quickly priced that in. I mean, they were starting to price that in before the stuff was even approved. Oh, yeah. That was probably back in, what, like August? Yeah. Of last year? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they were on the move. By the end of the year, the move was over. Right. And the price adjustments are happening now at the first of this year. And so... Yeah. I mean, you're starting to see your utility bills right now and going, oh, buddy. Yeah. I know I am. Mm-hmm. That is one, something I don't love. The inflation is feeling pretty real these days. It is. It really is. And I, I wish I could say that it's stopping, but I don't think I could say that yet. Mm-hmm. Right. It'll be interesting because how we define recession in the rearview mirror, uh, you know, I want to see is GDP really going up or is it going to be revised down? It's just that CPI is going up. Right. Like, are so, the numbers real? Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of, uh, we've got some fun ones talking about CPI and a couple of others. You know, it's become a thing on our show to do financial terms, right? Right. Now, I don't know why we started doing this. We thought it would be just kind of novel to create. Uh, I think I think it started with the industry, to me, has this nasty habit of trying to charge more for complicated words. Mm. Right? Let's just, true. Let's, just, let's just make these long, difficult to understand words. Let's put tests around them and things that make it hard for people to get into the industry. And then we'll intimidate people and charge more. <laughs> and and I got to where it's like, are these even real terms? And so they're silly. And we thought, well, why don't we just have some fun with this? So let's invent terms that seem real. And so now the game is we got some of them that are uh, user submitted. Right or so, or listener uh, and so forth. So these are ideas from everybody else. Things that sound like they should be real that aren't. But the the new one today is things that actually are real and sound like they're false. Okay. So, so we're gonna cover those, but let's grab our last break. Okay. All right. There's the music. So stick around, gang. We come back for the final segment, financial terms. Until then, well, stick around close. This is Dave Littlejohn. I'm Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM. At 1240, KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Uh, this is going to be probably the my favorite time on the show today. <laughs> we have this long list of financial terms, and some of them are real. And we're just going to see how many we can get through in this last segment. So uh, you get to be along for the ride. Uh, so, Matt, I'm going to yeah. start with throwing some at you. Oh, boy. Uh, I better get that thinking cap on. First, um, the, the question is, real or not real? Mm. Carbonation. That's got to be real because I have it in my soda. Yes, it, it is a real term, not a financial term. Yeah. If it were a financial term, what would it be? Ooh, um, pass. What do you got for me? 
Carbonation is the pricing of carbon credits in cap and trade. Oh my gosh, where did you get that from? That was good. Uh, I don't know. That was on the fly, but that was good. We're going to run with it. Okay, the earned income credit. The earned income credit. Um, Oh man, what do you got for me? So it turns out it's real. Is it? Yeah, the earned income t- okay. the earned income tax credit, that's a real thing, right? Uh, what are some other fun ones? Trickle up poverty. Trickle up poverty. Man, I feel like that's when you're you're in the ring of the poverty and it just keeps rolling upstream, right? Like you just can't break out of it. Yeah. This is uh, I'm going to call trickle up poverty when uh, small business owners have to absorb an increase in minimum wage. Ooh. That that's a real thing. <laughs> We're gonna make that a real term yeah. today. Trickle up poverty. It's, today it's like, we made the it the top? Real. The trickle up poverty. Yes, it's a the way minimum wage hits mom and pop businesses. Okay. Uh, let's see. What are some other ones that are fun here? Uh, sharp ratio. That is real. That's it one of my is. favorite ratios. Actually, what is the sharp ratio? It measures how much risk are you taking for how much return are you getting. And so, the higher the ratio, the more reward for the least amount of risk. Yes, yes, it's a sort of a measure of, uh, yeah, risk reward ratio. How about alpha? Alpha is similar to a sharp ratio. Yeah, it's a measure of outperformance that can be explained by the manager and not the mm-hmm. index itself. So like security selection, uh, alpha is producing some kind of advantage Superior through return investment selection. That can't be explained yeah. by the index, sure. Fiscal delineation. Ooh, that sounds real, is it real? Uh, I don't think it's real. No, it's, it sounds real. Doesn't it? Yeah. Fiscal delineation. What What is that? Um, it's when you're... Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, I um, feel like that's when Congress is stuffing pork into a bill, but they're trying to rationalize it as real. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, here's a fun one. True or false? Men's underwear index. Real or not real? That can't be real. Totally real. Are you serious? Yeah. The, uh, the underwear index, and, and there's this weird underlying philosophy. There's another one, too, the hemline index. Okay? What? So the underwear index is the idea that uh, regardless of economic cycle, men are going to keep buying underwear. And so if you see an uptick in underwear purchase, it's because the economy's starting to improve. This sounds similar to like the Big Mac um, inflationary numbers that we went over well, a couple just weeks a ago. Price comparison, yeah, right? The Big Mac index yeah. tells you how like, much, how to. It's like a currency comparison, right? But you wouldn't think that was real, and it was. Yeah. So, but the hemline indicator has been around for years. Basically, the higher the hemline, the stronger the economy. Hmm. That's the idea that people dress more formally in times of economic downturns they become because more they conservative. have to be more competitive in the job market possibly i, yeah. I feel like uh, this day and age that's kind of gone out the window because people are selling the fact that they're not wearing much clothing and so, everyone wants to just work from home yeah yeah so anyway those are some interesting ones uh what are a few others that we had on here cyber bullion oh man that one i love that that to me is Oh, you you had a good one for this early. I'm not going to steal it. I'm not going to steal it. I'm going to let you take credit on this one. That's the the uh, spice that you add to cyber ramen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't 
can't top that one. I'm not even going to try. Oh, how about credit card surfing? Credit card surfing. That's where someone just gets as many credit cards as they can. They max them out, and then they declare bankruptcy. Oh, I would call it shuffling the balances back and forth between all of your credit cards to to meet the minimum payments. Mm -hmm. But I could go with yours. Um, these, let's see. We've got some others. Ponzi insurance. Ponzi insurance. That is when someone tries to sell you an insurance policy and it's just a big Ponzi scheme. They just wanted to make some money. Yeah. I feel like Ponzi insurance, that's just a little too, it's not real, but it feels like it's real. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, well, I don't know about You know what? Ponzi I'm going to retract mine. When I just, I just got a new car and the guy tried to sell me insurance on a blown tire. Like, I'm like, I'm just going to replace the tire if I blow a tire. But there was an insurance policy for it. That's yeah. your Ponzi insurance. Yeah. You don't need insurance on your tires. Ponzi, it's just... Okay. Um, there, I got... We'll try to get a couple more in here. Um, true or false? Or real or not real? Quantitative easing. That is real, but it feels like it can't be real. I know. This one came straight out of Reddit, and the guy was all over it. It's real, but boy, it sure should be false, right? Yeah. And the last one... Unidentified domestic product. That is where the government just keeps on um, telling you that the GDP is fine, but really it's not. I say the government's making up numbers to get the market to move the direction they want. Yep. We are out of time, gig. Uh, if you want to reach us, uh, see us after class for financial advice, 541-375-0898. But until then, we got to run. This has been David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.